0: buildings now there's cars toppled buildings entire crushed and crumbled i'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point I, I really need to leave so the fences informed me that the surrounding areas are are in ruin i i see some people running now and the opinion of this reporter if this nation or in fact the world ever needed heroes that time is now that time is now <laughs>
1: and Water Podcast, the official podcast of AquamanShrine.com and FirestormFan.com. I am one of your co-hosts, the irredeemable Rob Kelly. Uh, As you might be able to guess, uh, my co-host Shag uh, is not with me this week. He got so upset that uh, he didn't get picked to be the new Doctor Who that uh, he's on a sabbatical right now, so he took the week off. Uh, But I'm not alone for this uh, third Power Records showcase that we're doing. Joining me as a special guest host is... Uh, one of our most, well, one of the Aquaman Trine's most loyal readers and uh, is also one of the podcast's loyal reader, most loyal readers, uh, Chris Franklin, also known as Earth2Chris. Chris, hello. How are you doing? Hello, Rob. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. Oh,
2: no problem. It's, it's uh, quite an honor to be asked, and I, I will point out that I think you have said this before. I am the founding member of FOAM.
1: Yes, you are the George Washington of phone members. It was uh, when when it was Chris Chris who sent me pictures of the ideal nineteen sixty six ideal Aquaman figure, uh, because there was like a weird variant thing or something, or my version had something different than the one Chris had, and Chris sent me a, pic- right. a picture of it, and I remember sitting there writing it, writing the post, and I was like. Oh, I'm giving this guy credit. I think I should call him something fun, like and then it just popped into my head. Foam, friends of Aquaman, and and there it was. And uh, it was never meant to be a uh, you know an ongoing thing, uh, but it became something. And now we're you know like hundreds of members strong and and stuff like that. And it really became you know really took on a life of its own. But yes, Chris is the very very first ever foam member. And who knows if I ever would have thought to create it had he not sent me the uh, that those pictures. So thank you very much for that, Chris.
2: I think I'll have that put on my tombstone. Uh, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I believe I, I do believe it puts you in a lower tax bracket at the end of every year. I can't <laughs> be sure about that, uh, but anyway, a couple of weeks ago, Chris mentioned when we were in, in commenting about our last Power Records showcase that if we ever did the Robin Meets Man Bat story, that he absolutely wanted to be included on that. And I made a little mental note that, okay, well, then the next time we, we do a Power Record show, I'll have Chris on the show, and we'll do Robin Meets Man Bat, which is what, of course, we're going to do. So uh, we're going to do, as we usual, two stories, Robin Meets Man Bat, and then uh, Superman and The Man from Krypton, which are both Chris's choices. They're both really fun. Uh, they have some, some, uh, some goofy parts, as all Power Records do. Um, and they have some, some similarities, as a lot of Power Records do. But before we even get into that, before we get started, Chris, like, how did you come to... I, I assume you discovered the Power Records as a kid. Most people did. What, how did yes. you come to them, and why do you love them so much? Well, I think... I do believe that the Man Bat story was the first
2: one I encountered. I, um, I saw an album at a grocery store in my hometown, uh, and uh, the grocery store is actually still there. It was, it's a different name now. The Sparks Grocery Store. Wow. And it, yeah, it was in a in a rack at the end of a freezer aisle,
1: which is really <laughs> weird. But I. <laughs> Isn't that great back then? Stores just carried weird crap like that. Like I mean, yeah. When, I mean, when was the last time you went to a it, like, supermarket that had uh, you know anything like that?
2: Yeah, I mean you can. not I mean, just go. look. You know, are you going to find a you know a, a kid CD? Or something, and we probably ain't gonna find a kid CD. But even a you're back, you're probably not gonna find a kid CD in a in a in a grocery store aisle. But here it was, and it was um, I, I've actually got it right here. It's um, the same one, Uh you know, Power Records. I think it's eight one six seven up in the corner. It's uh Batman and Robin are running on the beach. It's kind of which is kind of weird, but it's really cool because it's you know Neil Adams and Dick Giordano, and and uh, I guess he's running on the run on the beach because. You know, Adam's like that Batman run on the beach, like that famous, uh, you know, Batman 251 post, uh, right, right, Joker's right. Five Way Revenge. Yeah. So, so, you know, I, I saw that and I begged my mom to buy it and, you know, she didn't hesitate because I was full rotten. <laughs> and, uh, so I, uh, you know, brought it home and, and listened to it and probably listened to it a thousand times over the years. And, and, uh, that was kind of my, um, Introduction to Power Records, and, and what really captivated me, I think, about the the album cover was, you know, Batman and Robin, I was already getting comics at the time, you know, having a bop I me. Mean, I couldn't read. I was six, four, I think, and um, they looked like the current comic books. They they looked, you know, Batman had longer ears and a longer tape. Robin was older. Uh, they didn't look like the TV show, which, of course, I love the TV show, but... Right. I, I even as a kid, I, it's like, Batman looks different on TV than he does in the comic books. And why isn't Robin in every book, you know? And, mm-hmm. and uh, so, you know, this kind of spoke to me that uh, this was like the comic book Batman, you know? And, and uh, when I listened to it, it, it fit in with, you know, the stories that, you know, I was having read to me and that I flipped through. So, uh, I, you know, I totally uh, became semi-obsessed with Man-Bad after that. I, I wanted to... <laughs> <laughs> uh, have every Man Bat appearance I could find, and, That's a mark. and uh, <laughs> uh, when, you know, the when I when I when I um, discovered comic shops in the mid '80s, you know, I started, you know, finding the uh, the early Detective Comics issues with the Frank Robbins and Neil Adams Man Bat stories. Great and,
1: stuff. And
2: I kind of thought this was part one of them, you know, probably, and and had just been adapted. Uh, turns out it wasn't, uh, and, um, and I saw the comic, uh, the comic book and record set advertised on the inside of one of the other book and record sets I had, but I never had the comic. Oh, wow. Uh, of Robin Meets Man Bat, and I never saw it until I, until you, uh, you posted it on your Power Records blog. So oh, thanks. wow. Okay. <laughs> wow. Cool. <laughs> I appreciate
1: it. <laughs> I'm glad I could help you like that. That's great
2: yeah it's like a lifelong mission or something which is really pathetic sounding but um uh, <laughs> uh so yeah, I
1: finally like I have to see it there
2: and and um, you know it it uh, after that after I got this album, you know whenever I saw one or a, a book and record set I pretty much you know begged to get them and and I had you know quite a few superman spider man even some star trek the motion picture ones, you know, which are actually kind of bad, but you know um <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm not sure they might have been redrawn from like previous Star Trek. Did, did they do that? Did they take the the Star Trek TV series one and redraw the new, you know, gray pajama uniforms over
1: top of them, or do you I'm know, not sure, I'm not sure. As I've said on on previous episodes, like the the there is no official history of Power Records anywhere, uh, which is frust- right. really frustrating. And and uh, you know, if I had some any free time at all, like I would pitch that book to somebody, you know, I'd be like, somebody needs to pay me to research this because I would love to know the, the you know, the ins right. and outs of, I, I, you know, I've been able to get little pieces of it here and there. I talked to Jerry Conway about the man, Mark, the Manwolf record. And, um, I talked to Larry Hama about doing the artwork. he, he did the inking on uh, the uh, Dragon Men one with Spider-Man. Right. So I've, I've been able yeah. to do little bits and pieces here and there, but I've never been able to talk to – like uh, the only name I ever saw on any power record ever was producer Arthur Korb. Uh, yep. The only name you ever saw. And like I, I I literally have no idea. Is he still alive? Is he I, – yeah, I, I don't know. So, uh they're, yeah. they' you know they they just seem to sort of mysteriously appear and then disappear just as mysteriously so um but that that's kind of interesting that the, the first one you had was not the book and record set it was actually just the record um, right yeah
2: so it's so all the theater you know they always say the theater of the mind yeah the radio, that, right and that's you know, right. You know, and, and, and that, that's exactly what it was you know I mean it was it was just like the uh the uh, you know without the book it's just like a radio show and, and in fact my you know my parents they... You know, my dad always talked about old-time radio, and, and he listened to Superman, Lone Ranger, Shadow, and things like that, and he would, you know, he would come back and forth, and I, I to this day, he never once in a while, remember that crazy record you had with that, man, that screeching and all that stuff? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm like, yeah, Dad, I, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, man, that used to drive me nuts. You listen to that all the time, so, yeah, you know, so, uh, but they kind of, they, they let me get by with it, because, you know, they they overindulged me. I was spoiled, like I said, uh, but... uh yeah, in fact, Arthur Core. I don't know if he's listed on the, the book and record set, but on this album, he's listed as producer.
1: Yep, so. they, yeah, he's, he, he's the only name I ever saw, it, uh, and the, the only, the, I actually had a chance to uh, interview somebody who was the voice of Spider-Man on the Mark of the man record. Uh, yeah. The same guy who was Speed Racer, actually, that's the same actor. I- and oh, okay. uh, and but unfortunately when i talked to him he was very very old and he literally had no memory of doing the power records none i mean he i was telling him for the first time that he did those things and you know it makes, oh, I, mean, wow. I mean it makes sense he was a, he was a very old guy he was i think in his almost in his 90s and here i am asking about a job he did 35 years ago which he probably did in an afternoon you know, I mean, why would he remember that? Yeah. You know what I mean. So, but, but, so yeah, they, they're, 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 they are, the and maybe that's part of the reason I love them so much is that they remain a mystery in a lot of sense. Right. You know, they really are these sort of strange little things that came out of nowhere, were cr- incredibly powerful, and then disappeared just as quickly. So, um, right. I mean, and they, you know, they're, they're kind of, you know, it seemed
2: like they, they went on for several years through, like the, you know, what the mid seventies into the early eighties. Yep. Cause I actually even have the Spider-Man, uh, the the one about the Dragon Man, on a cassette tape. Really? Uh, which, yeah. Oh, I uh, never... Which kn- I, you know, kind of flummoxed me, too. <laughs> I didn't even know <laughs> I, 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 they I, ever did cassette tapes. Yeah, um, it's, it's weird. You know, I think I had the record set, the book and record set, and then at some point it got lost or the record got scratched and... And, uh, I soon like I got it at the gift, maybe. The, it, you know, I don't, maybe, maybe somebody else took it over from Power Records at that point, but this seemed like it was in the early 80s and it came with a, you know, uh, cassette tape. And, and, at that point, a lot of the Disney and, and, uh, and like Peanuts and those kind of book and, book and record, uh, you know, air quotes were coming with, uh, coming in with cassette tapes instead of. Of 45 Wow So I I did have The Spider-Man You are blowing my
1: mind You are blowing my mind Chris (laughs) Because I literally Never knew they did that I never knew That the Power Records Ever came in any other format Other than records That's unbelievable Wow That is cool Yeah uh, oh, it makes me so sad now to know they just went away. <laughs> they just faded away. Uh, well, anyway, so before we talk anymore, we're going to play uh, Robin Meets Man Bat. As we mentioned, it's uh, the, the comic book, the uh, book and record set, the you know, book part was done by Neil Adams and Dick Giordano based on stories from Detective Comics. Uh, so we're going to listen to that and then we're going to talk about it uh, on the other side of it. So everybody enjoy Robin Meets Man Bat.
3: It is 3 a.m. at the Gotham First National Bank, and the clicking noises you hear are the tumblers of a lock magnified many times by intricate amplification equipment.
0: That's a boy, Mitch. You're doing fine. We're almost home.
3: The lock belongs to First National's maximum security walk-in vault, but to three highly specialized bank robbers, no security seems to be maximum enough. Hey, that does it. She's ready to open.
4: All the other alarms have been shut off. Let me pull the door.
0: All that money, a Federal Reserve deposit of millions waiting for us just on the other side of that door. Jeez, Mitch, this thing is two feet thick. Okay, I'm
5: helping,
6: I'm helping. Almost, just a
3: little more. Good
5: evening, gentlemen. We're glad you could drop by. Batman!
4: Don't you fellas know
6: it's polite to not
4: first? And they were waiting inside! No, it isn't fair! What they
5: Every crook makes at least one mistake, Trench, and your gang is no exception.
6: Your mistake was falling for the phony news item Batman planted about a huge Federal Reserve deposit in this branch.
4: Hey, what are we running here at the bait? Let's plug them! Oh. Top
5: of oh, my my Robin and I prefer a fight without guns, and we expect the same from you. The
0: third another gun? Ah,
6: gun boy wonder. Ah, is something far more useful?
3: The bank robber flips a switch on the strange circuit-studded gadget in his hand, and at once the air is filled with a piercing ear-splitting sound.
0: Ah! My ears! Oh, me too, Robin. I can't even think straight.
6: That's the whole idea behind our sonic disruptor, Batman. A few more seconds of this, and you and a punk will be on the floor in
3: agony. Yeah, while we stand back and enjoy the show, thanks to the special high-frequency earplugs the three of us are wearing. Oh, I'm covering my ears as tight as I can. It doesn't help. Hold on as long as you can, Robin. Fight it. Yet not even the dynamic duel can withstand the terrible onslaught of sound for long. And as they drop to their knees. Ah!
0: See if this would work, get beat up for.
3: From every direction, the nightmarish screeching sound seems to surround them until the bank robbers look up to see a frightening form circling above their heads a creature the size of a man with the unmistakable ears and leathery wings of a bat. What is it? It's the most
4: horrible thing I've ever seen.
6: Sonic Disrupted doesn't even phase. It. I'm getting out of here.
4: Me too! Wait for me!
3: In the frenzied confusion, the sonic disruptor falls, and its ear-splitting drone ceases at once as the cowled crusader and the boy wonder look up to see...
6: Batman! That thing! It's going after the bank robbers!
3: I know, Robert.
5: Hey!
6: hey, put me down! It's got me in its claws! Look out! He's dropping you on top of me! Do you believe this? It slammed two of them together. Now it's pulling the third crook into the air. Help! Help!
5: and knocking him senseless into the side of
6: the wall. What a show! The creature's flying away, Batman. Let's go after it.
5: No, Robin. The least we can do in gratitude for its help is to leave Man-Bat in peace. Man-Bat? You know this guy? Monster, whatever he is? Yes. And I know he must be in great pain right now. That's why he flew off. I don't
6: understand.
5: Like a true bat, Man-Bat's hearing is ultra-sensitive to even the minutest sounds. If you think that sonic disruptor was rough on us, I'd hate to imagine how it must have felt to him. He must be a very
6: brave man. Uh, he is a man, isn't he?
5: Robin, I think it's time you heard the full story of my friend Kirk Langstrom. Kirk Langstrom, the eminent nocturnal mammal expert, had long been a fan of mine and a supporter for everything the name Batman stood for. Well, it was several years ago that hundreds of hours of hard work finally brought him on the verge of an incredible discovery in the confines of his lab under the Gotham Museum. That does it, my leathery winged friend. I've taken the final dose of my serum. Now we wait, you and I. The friend Langstrom spoke to was a live bat and the serum was a specially prepared gland extract he had derived from the creature for human consumption. He later told me he came up with the serum as a gift for me. But being the thorough scientist he was, tested the serum on himself first. And at first the result seemed impressive.
4: Oh! That infernal noise is unbearable! What in heaven's name can be causing so much racket?
5: Langstrom was both startled and tremendously excited when he traced the noise to its source. Astonished to discover it was nothing more than... <gasps> a dripping
4: faucet! But to me, it sounded like splashing tidal waves. My hearing has become incredibly sensitive. The first bat characteristic that proves my serum is working.
5: And then the next sign became painfully apparent when Langstrom rushed to his desk to jot down some notes.
4: Ah, My eyes! I can't stand the light of that desk lamp. I've got to put on my sunglasses. They're in my jacket.
5: Once he found the dark lenses, he put them on and switched off the light. Only to get a third surprise.
4: I'm navigating in utter darkness without bumping into a thing. My vocal cords are emitting ultrasonic signals, and my super-sensitive hearing picks them up when they bounce back.
5: I've done the impossible.
4: I now possess
5: the natural radar of a bat! Yes, Langstrom had achieved the impossible, all right. Far more so than even his wildest imaginings. Because when he happened to look down at his hands,
4: Oh, my God! My hands! They're growing hairy! With claws! Like a bat! I don't understand. Can this be a side effect of the gland extract? I'll put on some gloves. It's only temporary.
5: It has to be. But while preparing to go out, he encountered still another ominous sign. My hat! What pushed it off my head? By now, Langstrom already knew the worst. But he had to run to a mirror to see the horrible, ghastly truth for himself. Uh I have giant ears,
4: red eyes, fur instead of skin. This can't be happening, but it is. I've become a... a man
5: Once the initial shock of his nightmarish fate had worn off, Langstrom remained at his museum lab late into the night, trying to discover where his serum had gone wrong. Until his work was interrupted by a ruckus in the jewelry exhibit upstairs in the museum. It was the blackout gang at work, a group that wore special equipment to enable them to operate in the dark. But that night, they were encountering opposition, namely, me. It's Batman! We've got the advantage!
0: We can see him, but he can't see us! Jump him!
5: I was badly outnumbered, but with that many rats in my back, anywhere I punched, my fist connected. I was holding my own well enough when, all of a sudden...
4: (laughs) I see it, too, but I wish I didn't.
3: This freak is even worse than Batman.
5: Yes, Robin, that night I had a new ally, as Batman and Man-Bat fought side-by-side to mop up the rest of the gang. You all right, Batman? Sure, friend, thanks to you. There's so much I need to know about
3: you. No, it's all gone wrong. I want no part of you or anyone else. Don't go. Come back. Let me try to
5: help you. He flew off into the night, and it wasn't until months later that I learned that he was really Kirk Langstrom and that his once noble mind had become dangerously unstable as a result of the serum. That's some story, Batman. Did it ever have a happy ending? Finally, after several months, I was able to catch up with him and administer the chemical antidote that turned Langstrom back to his human form. Everyone had high hopes for his recovery, especially when Langstrom decided to marry his fiancée, Francine, soon after that. And then what happened? They married, but by that time, Langstrom had relapsed into man-bat again. And he persuaded poor Francine to take the gland extract so that she, too, became a bat. It was his way of getting her to prove her love for him.
6: Man, those two have been through a lot.
5: And I thought the worst was behind them, until tonight. Poor Langstrom must have suffered another... <coughs> Look out! Langstrom's back, but he's not making sense. Wait a minute, Robin. I think I understand. This isn't Langstrom!
6: Good grief! The thing has swooped up Batman.
3: The fearsome creature of the night and the caped crime fighter locked themselves in furious and frenzied combat over Robin's head. I've got to do something. I know my utility belt. Quickly, the teen wonder extracts a certain capsule and hurls it upward into the fray, where it breaks open in the face of Batman's monstrous opponent. Good thinking, Robin. That
5: sneezing powder ought to give me the advantage I need.
3: But just as Batman wrenches himself loose from the suffering creature, still another inhuman sound tears through the air. (laughs) And as Batman agilely lands on the floor...
6: Oh, my gosh. Now there are two of them. The man-bats are fighting.
5: No, they're not. The second one is trying to calm down the first, and he needs help.
3: The masked man-hunter extracts a bat rope and a batarang from his utility belt, and with skills and reflexes honed to absolute perfection, he flings the batarang upward. Right on, Batman. Your bat line is wrapping itself around both of them, binding them together.
5: Now they can't use their wings. And without their wings...
3: Man-bats don't fly. But when the dynamic duo runs up to the grounded inhuman pair... Look, Batman. The bigger
6: one's got something in his hand. They're... They're two hypodermic needles.
3: Now I know what to do. And Batman does it, wasting no time and injecting each creature with one of the hypodermics.
6: Oh, they're changing. Losing their wings. Becoming human again. Becoming a man and a woman. Mm.
7: Oh, Kirk, I'm so sorry. I lost control of myself to think I would try and
6: kill
0: Batman.
4: It's okay, honey. It was the serum warping your mind. You didn't know. What happened, Kirk? It's all a misunderstanding, Batman. I was long overdue from an expedition in South America, and poor Francine was worrying about me here at home.
7: Yesterday, I was rummaging through Kirk's lab, very depressed, and I was so despondent, I mistook
6: the bat extract serum for my own drink. The next thing I knew, I was a bat.
4: Once the serum affected her mind, Francine became wildly insane. And when I finally got home this morning, I found frantic scrawls drawn all over the walls, blaming you, Batman, for my disappearance.
6: I get it. So you took a dose of this serum yourself, figuring the only way to stop a man-bat is with another man-bat.
4: That's right. But when I finally located you two a few hours ago, you were up against that terrible sonic
5: disruptor. So I gave you a helping hand with those bank robbers.
6: I'll say you did.
5: That must have been murder on your bad ears, and while Kirk took some time to recover, Francine caught up with us and attacked
6: Batman, can you ever forgive me?:
5: I already have Francine. Well, I may never forgive you, Batman, not unless you get around to introducing me to your friends. <clears throat> uh, uh, sorry, Robin, uh, Kirk, uh, Francine, I like you to meet my protege and junior partner.
1: And that is Robin Meets Man Bat, uh, one of my uh, favorites of the power records, although I guess I think I say that about every single one of them that I've talked about so far. Uh, but it, now, not only was this your first one, uh, Chris, but is is it your favorite? Is it like the one you think oh, yeah. is the best one? Okay.
2: Yeah, I, I, there's there's little competition for it. Um, and, I mean, I like every one I've got, even those Star Trek ones I've talked about. But, uh, yeah, there's just something about that one that uh, – I, I, I don't I don't know what it is it's I, you know it, it just it it touched the chord with me and and I knew man Bat I don't know if I encountered him here first or you know he had like a backup in Detective and before that in Batman Family but I think I kind of I I came in right as Batman Family was merging with Detective yeah that's when I first started getting those books so uh, you know and then he showed up and he, you know he was really big in the seventies quite a bit and then. In the '80s, he just kind of sporadically, you know, showed up. But for some reason, that really made me, you know, like Man Bat a lot. And uh, when he showed up on the animated series on the very first episode, I thought, "Oh wow, that, that, that these guys are good because they actually like brought Man Bat in." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're using Man Bat, so you know, I, you know, there's just something I really can't other than. The idea of man basketball, and I'm, I'm a big Robin fan, so, you know, anything that kind of centers you know, around Robins, uh, Robins a good deal for me, too, so, well, yeah, was, that's my favorite.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's something interesting, well, not something, but many things, but one of the things I noticed uh, when listening to it again, like, in the comics at the time, when they made this, which was, like, 75, 76, Robin was off in college. He wasn't with Batman yes. on a regular basis, so it sort of fits because as you listen to the story, you're like, "How does Robin not know this story?" You know, right. <laughs> Batman's had this whole adventure that he's relating to Robin. Boy, oh, I met a guy, he had a serum, and he had a he turned into a bat. And, blah, blah. and you're like, "How has this not come up before?" And it's well, because right. Robin was away. Rob, you know, at this point, Batman was off having adventures without Robin. So yeah, I, I don't w- I don't want to yeah. say that it, you know, that it, the, you know, like their power records is trying to tie it into continuity. That's probably giving them more credit than they deserve. But it, it's just interesting that it's, you know, these are partners and you would think Robin would know who man bat is, but he doesn't. And I think, you know, it's, that's of its time a little bit is that, that, you know, Batman has this story to relate to, to Robin about it.
2: Right. I mean, it, it you know, it, it does, it definitely feels like it comes from the comics of the time. I mean, they you know, probably would, you know, Batman was meeting Manbat, you know, Mike Friedrich had a Robin in a hippie commune or something like that, you know, <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, you know, actually, I've got, um, the, the Neil Adams, Batman Illustrated by Neil Adams, Volume 3, and, and that, that, uh, Robin Meets Man-Bat's reprinted in it. Oh, wow. And, uh, okay. it, it's, it's, uh, it's, unfortunately, and, and I hope I don't take any heat for this, you know, uh, Neil Adams redrew some of the artwork in these books, like select panels. Uh it's kinda like a director's cut, I guess, or you know, a George Lucas type thing. And uh according to the credits of of this, Robin meets Man that Story, Neil Adams and Frank Robbins, art Neil Adams and Dick Giordano. So I guess they gave Frank Robbins credit for the sequences they lifted from uh Detective four hundred and, and the little brief snippets of Four oh seven, which is the 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 marriage of Langstrom and, and Francine, you know, and and uh, so I guess if Adams maybe wrote this story for Power Records, then he would know to that Robin wouldn't know about Manbat because he's off in college, you know. Huh. So maybe that's one reason it has that that authentic '70s DC feel to it, you know.
1: Yeah. without <laughs> without having seen the Neil Adams book you're talking about, I mean, I know of it, but I haven't seen it. I'm sure that it did not need to be redrawn. I mean, nobody needed to re- redraw Neil Adams in the 1970s. You know, like no. I'm sure, however, no. it was done was perfect. So it feels that feels a little, uh, as you say, George Lucasy there. You know, where he's going in and fixing. I'm sure that doesn't need to be fixed.
2: Yeah, I, I'm not. You know, that's a whole other subject. But I'm really, I, I got the first volume of that in hardcover, and I was so disappointed to see that that he had you know, went back over so many, and it's like a lot of the real, the really famous close-ups that you think, you know, of Batman and things. He's like, he's got a much muchier style than he did, you know, and he's, you know, he's, you know, quite a bit older than he was then. And, and probably, he he probably thinks he's at the top of his game, but I think most of us would agree that he was probably closer to the top of his game at that time. So we'd rather just have it left alone, but, um, you know, but it was kind of neat to see it in there. And, uh, and to to see the comic and and I compared it to, to what you had on your on your uh site and uh it's it's yeah
1: it's, <laughs> I like the old version better <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh one of the, the uh, thing the, the bit I love in the in the specific the, the, the audio adventure is when Francine mentions that she drank the formula thinking it was something else. <laughs> like, now come on, Francine. I mean how stupid do you, you know, Oh look, where's my Mr. Pip? Oh here it is. Like, oh no, that's the fr- like presumably he's not leaving this stuff in the fridge. It's it's in a beaker or, you know, somewhere on his on his lab table. He doesn't leave it, you know, unmarked as you know, oh, what it looks. What does it look like, Mountain Dew? I mean, come on, Francine. For the love of Pete. Yeah, he's got like he's got he's got like a, a two pictures
2: on the counter that says one labeled lemonade, and the other's like bat gland extract. Yeah,
1: you know, so <laughs> yeah, do not drink.
2: You know, she, <laughs> she picks up the <laughs> rope.
1: I'm always telling Francine, stop drinking the bad extract for the love of Pete. You know, like good lord, yeah, it's. Uh, it's it said, but but I mean, it is a, it is a really fun adventure, and the sounds, the the the, the, the sounds of the, the scree scree sound are really well done, and, and it's all echoey, yeah. and the the, the, the the soundtrack is a little spooky. I mean, the music it's it's really it really is one of the better ones. It's it, it's definitely one it's of the ones I had early on. Yes, yes, it, yes,
2: yeah, it's it's on a on top of you. It's it's very atmospheric. It it feels like you know you know the early. Seventies DC Comics almost all had some kind of horror tint to them, you know. I mean, because I guess because the horror books took off and the the Comics Code lifted some of the horror restrictions, and they almost all had this kind of moody, atmospheric, murky feel, so almost like a Hammer movie or something, yeah, you know. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. You, you, can, you kind of get that feeling. But speaking of Hammer, what is the deal? I've always wondered about this. Why does Kirk Langstrom have on a cape? When he's working at the, working at the you see, him, he's dressed like Dracula. I know, uh, I know, you know. And then when he goes out later, he puts on his, you know, his old overcoat with the, you know, the top flap. I don't know what you call that thing, but he looks like Barnabas Collins. So I don't <laughs> know if Adams was trying to channel every concurrent vampire of the early 70s when he did that first Man Bat store, but... You know, he's like Christopher Lee and and uh, Jonathan Fred all rolled into one or something. You
1: know, <laughs> I never really thought about that, but you're right. Yeah, they're kind of oding a little on the, uh, on, the yeah. on the vampire cliches there, I guess. But uh. well, and Langstrom, you
2: know, one thing that's kind of weird is is you know, in a, in the comic, and, and I always kind of know too, um, you know, Kirk Langstrom, his his uh, his look kind of varies from panel to panel. Some I mean, he looks like a middle aged man. And then others, he looks uh, with a pretty good receding hairline, and then the other, looks kind of more like your typical, you know, right-around-30-year-old comic book guy, mm. which is, um, it kind of fluctuates quite a bit, which is strange for Adams because he's usually got a, a face kind of locked in for a character, like, you know, Rachel Gold or something. He's, he's got them figured out, you know, the way they look from from panel to panel. But, uh, yeah, it, it's uh, the whole, the whole shape thing just, just always bothered me,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's only the kind of stuff you think about when you've had many hours to sit there and contemplate it and things like that. You know, you like something you right, and, uh, and you don't
2: have a life, and you know things. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, one, one thing I was funny was when, the, when
2: you know Batman and Robin encountered the uh, anchor up at the beginning, and they opened the vault. The guys like, "It's not there," you know, it's it's <laughs> shiny. So you know. <laughs> You know, how did you know it's not fair? And, you, know, you know, it's kind of. in Batman's line about, uh, you know, Robin and I prefer to fight without guns it almost sounds like something that, that either Adam West or, or Dietrich Bader on The Brave and the Bold would say. You know, Robin and I prefer to fight without guns, and we expect the same from you. Um, just <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: Boy, you know, now that you say it, The Brave and the Bold would make great audio adventures. If they could just get that cast. Wouldn't that be great? Oh, love yeah. To hear that. Uh, oh yeah, jeez. Somebody get up. Oh yeah. Well, this
2: would make a good. This would make a good. I always thought that you know, this would actually make a good brave and the bold animated episode. You know, they could. Yes, it would. Um, it's kind
1: of goofy, and you know, right. You could give a female man bad. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, they, and they, you know, they they could uh, rope in uh, another villain to replace the bank robbers and. And, uh, you know, they, they introduced a lot of characters through flashback, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the Ray Palmer, Adam and Ted Court Blue Beetle. So they could introduce Man Bat through flashback and then, you know, jump right into the story. It, it kind of fit. So yeah. too bad they didn't do it.
1: Yeah. 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 That would have been good. Uh, so was there anything else you wanted to say about Robin meets Man Bat before we move on?
2: Oh, I could talk for hours about Robin meets Man Bat, I I want more people to death, so.
1: Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, Okay, so the, the the second one that we're going to do, part two here, is the Man from Krypton, as you might imagine, story Superman, and it is basically his origin story, um, retold for the umpteenth time. So uh, we're going to talk about it after it's over. So enjoy uh, enjoy this uh, little retelling of the Superman origin from the Man himself, Superman, the Man from Krypton,
5: faster than a speeding bullet. <laughs> More powerful than a
0: locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bow. Look, up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! No,
5: it's Superman! It was like a moment frozen in time. Frozen in slow motion. An on-rushing truck. A young boy on a skateboard. But it wasn't in slow motion. It was real, and unless the truck stopped or the boy swerved, the inevitable would happen. Watch out!
6: Get him! Stop! Stop! Stop!
5: Look out! Suddenly, the boy fell from the skateboard right in the path of the oncoming truck. I zoomed downward into the street, stopped the truck with my right hand, picked the boy up on my left, and headed for the sky.
7: He's, he's safe! get them! go!
5: I came down in a quiet wooded area a few miles north of Metropolis. The boy had a nasty bruise on his knee and we bathed it in the cool water of a clear stream. What's your name? Danny, and you're Superman. How long have you been practicing the skateboard, Danny?
7: Danny, meet Superman. Boy, wait till the gang hears this.
5: You know, that could have been a nasty accident.
7: I sure wish I had the kind of strength you have.
5: And city streets aren't exactly the place for skateboarding, are they?
7: Do you have special exercises you do? I mean, like push-ups and all that?
5: (laughs) You're not listening to a word, are you?
7: Sure I am. You come from another planet, right?
5: (laughs) Tell you what, Danny. If I answer your questions, will you answer mine?
7: Deal. Me first. What planet were you born on?
5: Krypton. Where's that? Far away, Danny. Very far away. In another galaxy you know what a light year is?
7: Sure. Light travels 186,000 miles a second. So multiply the number of seconds in a whole year by 186,000 and that's a light year.
5: Good, Danny. Now you can appreciate the distance. Krypton was many, many light years away from Earth. It revolved about a giant red sun and was inhabited by a race of highly intelligent beings. Hundreds of years before, they had solved the problems of space travel Established nuclear energy plants, tamed all the powers of nature, except one. It was my father, Jor-El, one of Krypton's leading scientists who knew what this power was. And that it was to bring disaster to Krypton.
0: I tell you, we must evacuate our people to another planet. Because you hear rumblings in the ground, don't be ridiculous, Jor-El. These are more than mere rumblings. There are powers beneath our planet's shell that are beyond our comprehension. Within a year, Krypton will explode like a gigantic bomb. jor your imagination's running amok. Impossible. Sheer nonsense. The man's insane.
5: I was just a small tyke at that time, but I can still hear my mother's voice singing lullabies, crooning the ancient folk songs of Krypton. Jorrel? They refuse to
0: listen, Lara. Won't hear a word.
7: They've had it too good. They're fat, smug, and complacent. <laughs>
0: and they'll be destroyed. And
7: we along with them.
0: Unless we get out while there's still time.
7: But how?
0: I'll build a spaceship for us and our son.
7: He's so little, Jorrel. So small to die. Can you? Can you build this spaceship?
0: I can try. I've been studying a small planet in another galaxy. It's people whom we've been listening to on our interstellar radios call it Earth. It is a bright new sun,
5: a sun that could mean new strength. For months my father labored on the spaceship, drawing plans, collecting materials, revising, improving. In time he had brought forth a small workable model, a miniature spacecraft. He was working toward a larger one, large enough for the whole family, when the day of disaster came. As my father had predicted, Krypton had become one gigantic bomb. Tremors shook the earth, huge cracks riffled the surface, gaping holes suddenly yawned. Oceans roared and surged landward, giant buildings toppled like matchsticks. Great transit tubes reared skyward, twisting, bending. Explosions threw debris into the sky for hundreds of miles. Krypton was dying. Our know, son, we've got to make it to the launch pad.
7: Lara, please do as I say, darling. Yes, jor
5: At the launch pad, my parents placed me aboard the small spacecraft.
7: We'll never see him again.
5: It's the only way, Lara.
7: I hate so to to part with him.
5: At least he'll
7: live. Hurry, jor The quakes are coming closer. Everything's ready. All controls. Countdown. Ten.
0: Nine, eight, seven, Larry. four, three, two, one, ignition goodbye come on goodbye my son
5: As speed increases, time expands, slows down, and as I traveled across the billions of miles of space at speeds faster than light, I grew only a very little. By the time the small spaceship entered the solar system, I was still an infant, unable to talk, unable to walk. Soon the ship entered Earth's atmosphere and plunged to the surface on a small farm near a village named Smallville. I don't know how long I lay there, perhaps for days, until I was finally discovered. Hey, Martha.
7: Need something, Jonathan?
5: Come here, Martha. Look at this thing.
7: What is it?
0: Well, I'd reckon it was a rocket ship.
7: I'd reckon the same, Jonathan.
0: Mm, Somebody's idea of a practical joke, I guess, or a, a publicity stunt. Let me get this concern thing open. Well, I'll be...
7: It's a baby.
0: Baby boy.
7: You think he's a Martian, Jonathan?
0: Heck, Martha, why, just look at him. Just as human and cute-looking as any baby I ever did see.
7: (laughs) Oh, he's such a darling, Jonathan. Just what we always wanted, but never could have.
0: Now, don't get your hopes up, Martha. You know we'll have to take him to the foundling home.
7: We could adopt him, Jonathan.
0: Only if the home passed on us, Martha. We'll see. Maybe.
7: Have you made any decision yet, Doctor?
5: You've got to realize, Mrs. Kent, that the Smallville Children's Home will have to make a thorough investigation before the boy is passed on to you for adoption.
7: Of course, Dr. Thomas.
5: And we'll make every effort to locate his real parents first. Other than that, I can only say he seems to be a healthy baby. Very healthy. Yes. Goodbye.
7: Doctor, look at this. What is it? It was a toy truck. I gave it to him this morning.
5: Did he throw it?
7: No, Doctor. He he just mangled it in one hand.
5: Now, nurse. Not
7: only that, look at this hypo needle. It's broken. I tried to vaccinate him just a little while ago. The needle won't penetrate.
5: Impossible. It must have been a bad needle. Here, go back and try it with this one.
7: Oh! Dr. Thomas! Dr. Thomas, come in here, quickly! What's going on? Look!
5: What's he doing up there?
7: He's flying! He can't be! He is! Just look! I don't believe it! Neither do I! Let's get out of here! Nurse! Doctor, you're so pale.
5: You don't look so rosy yourself. Look, get the kids on the phone. Tell them, tell them they can have the child. And to come pick him up right away. Of course, I was very small then. And a lot of it, I don't remember. It came down to me in stories told by my foster parents. But as I grew, I began to sense the powers within me. One day, walking home from school alongside the railroad tracks, I heard the whistle of an approaching train behind me, and I began to run, just for kicks. At first, it was just a lock. But as my strides lengthened and my pace picked up, I began to notice I was keeping up with the train. Putting on a burst of speed, I went ahead of it. Past it, and got to the crossing in plenty of time. And I wasn't even out of breath. As time went on, I found out a lot of things about myself, about things I could do that others could not. But never was I allowed by my foster parents, my new father and mother, ever to think that because of these powers, I was better or smarter or in any way greater than other people. They told me I was lucky. That's all, just lucky. And I guess I am. And when my father took ill, and he lay in the hospital waiting for his final day... I don't have long, son. And there's one last
0: thing I must say to you. You have amazing powers. Superhuman powers. Use them wisely and well for the betterment of your fellow men. As a bulwark against evil. And hold fast always to the principles of justice and truth and honesty and fair play. Always. Promise
5: me. Denny? Huh? I didn't mean to be so long-winded.
7: Heck, I could listen all day. I mean, gosh, I mean, you know, that's some story. I mean, gee! (laughs)
5: Look, I've got your skateboard fixed. But you've got to promise me.
7: I know, I know. Not in the city streets, I know. Promise? Promise.
5: Good. Now, let me give you a ride home. Up in the sky? Up in the sky.
7: Let's go. Up and away!
5: (laughs) I dropped Danny at his home, changed my clothes, and spent the rest of the day at the Daily Planet as Clark Kent. Later that afternoon, Lois told me a young boy was waiting to see me. Of course, it was Danny. Come in, young fella. Have a seat.
7: Thanks. So, you're Clerk Kent, Ace Reporter. That's me. Boy, have I got a story for you.
1: And that was Superman, the man from Krypton, uh, the retelling of uh, his origin story as told to that annoying little boy that he, uh, <laughs> he meets in the beginning. Uh, Chris, uh, why did you pick this one to be the the other one that you specifically wanted to, to comment on? Well,
2: I, it just kind of um, you know it's probably my second favorite. Honestly, um, I just really felt like it was a really nice retelling of the Superman origin, and, uh, and to me, it it it, it, uh, it felt a little more right because. Uh, you know, I watched, um the George Reeves series, and I don't recall if I remember seeing the, um the pilot episode of the, the origin of Superman, uh, but, you know, later on, later years I did, and then, of course, Superman, the movie, uh, it was, it's still my favorite movie of all time, it heavily influenced me, it, it's my, it's my Star Wars, I saw it before I saw Star Wars. So, um you know, that version where Clark does not become Superboy has always seemed more, Right to me when I was a kid and see Superboy comics, I, I, I bought them, but I was kind of like, i get like better when he just becomes Superman, you know. And so, so this Power Records here in a comic book form is Superman origin, it's, it's Superboy part. So, uh, that's kind of an odd reason to like it, but it just kind of reinforced my version of Superman in a way, you know, because it. it it juts with the movie a little bit
1: more. It's interesting. And, and, I never, I never really thought about that, but you're right. Yeah, it is more the Superman movie version than it is the comic book version. I, I, I never. Wow, I can't believe I never thought about that before, but it's true.
2: Well, you know, and the the, the deal with train where he's running, uh, you yeah. know, alongside the train. I, this says copyright 1978 on you know, my comic uh, copy. So you know, I don't know if they knew what was in Superman a the movie since it came out in December of that year, but. The scene with trains almost exactly, um, you know, from the movie where, of course, young Clark Jeff East is is running alongside the train, and we, we don't get a cameo of Lois and, and Kirk Allen, Noel New, right, right, but right. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but it's still kind of the same scene. He you know leaps in front of the train right before it gets there, and and uh, you know no 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 Glenn Ford to get on him for you know showing off, but uh, it's it's still kind of the same scene, but. Uh, Yeah, that just for some reason, you know, it just, uh, it always was kind of my, uh, it's definitely my favorite of the Superman uh, uh, stories they did.
1: And it's, you know, it's, it's sweet too. And then it's like Superman is this sort of, you know, friendly guardian of of everybody and he's encountering children and you know what I mean? Like not to, you know, I don't know, like drag this into a whole other discussion, but it's like, you know, the, 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 Superman as seen in the recent movie Seems kind of intimidating and scary, you know. <laughs> I mean, right, like right. this is a Superman that kids love, and they, you know, hey, you know, you, he's the kind of Superman that would like would have bought a glass of lemonade from you if you had a lemonade stand. You know, he would have been that. He's that kind of like avuncular guy who right. everybody loves, yeah. and so there, there is a, a, a you know a sweetness to it. I mean, in the comic book version. Uh, you know the the book and record set it 's drawn by Rich Buckler, and all the scenes with Superman are during the day so it 's sunny out like it's it 's a very norman rockwellish version of of Superman
2: yeah yeah and you know you can see this Superman like stopping by you know after he, he talks to Danny he flies off and goes does a you know a little uh, hello, segment of Super Friends, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. It's like, don't smoke, you know, or, uh, you know, pet your dog, you know, put your hand underneath the dog's head. Right. Um, <laughs> Everyone
1: remembers that but, one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, things like that, which, you know, I still remember the stuff, so it obviously worked. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, this is definitely uh, <laughs> kinder, gentler Superman. And, and and not to get into that, I, I enjoyed Man of Steel for what it was, and I, and I understand what they were going to do. And, but I understand why some people really were really taken aback by it. And uh, the target in this version couldn't be any different than, than Kevin Costner's take. You know, uh, on his deathbed he'd be telling Clark to hide, don't don't tell anybody who you are, don't save anybody, let him die. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the, all the Superman home beach guys are going to be mad at me now. But, I love you guys. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's definitely a, a kindler, gentler Superman. And, uh, the artwork, uh, by Rich Buckler, it, it was kind of neat because I don't know when I got this exactly, but he was drawing world's finest in the early 80s. And, uh, and I really liked his stuff. And, you know, it's kind of probably before I really experienced a lot of Neil Adams actual comic books, uh, or, you know, I saw him on a lot of packaging and things like the Power Records um, you know, sleeves and things like that. But uh I really liked uh Richler's um you know early eighties when he Warp was kinda doing that Neil Adams style stuff. Yeah you know yeah. And, and he took it to All Star Squadron and, and things like that and it, it uh I really liked it Superman and Batman he didn't World's finest. So it was kinda neat to uh I don't know I, you know, it just I just seem to remember thinking, Oh, this looks like the guy that's drawing World's Finest. Right. So uh,
1: that must have been once around when I got it. Um, you know, around eighty or something like that. Now you had the so book. The you, you had the book and record version because I think it was put out as an LP on an LP as well with no with no book. So you had the you had the the small version.
2: Yes, I did have the forty five right. in the in the comic. Yeah, and that's, I actually still got my LP you know, copy and I got a nicer copy. <laughs> so uh, that that's that's nice to have. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I really thought the artwork was nice. Uh, uh, the destruction of Krypton is pretty, you know, pretty vivid for, uh, you know, a kid's record album, especially if you got the comic book, you know, it's kind of scary. And, and, uh, Jorrell looks crazy in the uh, panel 1 of, uh, page 9. And, you know, it's like, you know, everything's in magenta tones. He's got this giant white eyeball. It's, you know, it's, it's very urged. And it feels, you really can feel like, you know, Krypton's really dying, you know, it's really exploding. It's, you know, it's probably traumatic for most kids to listen to, but. That's a, know, hom- no more than... that's a
1: hallmark. That's a hallmark. I'm sorry. That's a hallmark to the Power Records. Is that some there's some definite like scary elements for little kids.
2: Uh, yeah, like you I never had to listen to the one with man thing with the clown and so. On. Yeah, the suicidal <laughs> clown. It on your... <laughs> that's disturbing and. It, yeah, I think you wrote an article on that issue on that too. Uh, that, that was just whoa. That was something. That was something <laughs> else. <laughs>
1: One of, the other yeah. I, one of the other things I noticed about the, the both stories is they are sort of falling back on the standard storytelling story technique of having somebody just tell you the story, you know, as opposed right. as opposed to doing it in present tense. It's hey, Batman, who's this man, Bat Guy? Well, let me tell you, Robin. Da 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 da, da. and then in the, the origin, as opposed to telling the origin. From the get go, from point one of Krypton exploding, it's hey, Superman. What you know? Where did you come from? Well, that's a good, interesting story to me. Blah 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 blah. You know, it's <laughs> like that's just a neat. I, it's it's a, it's it's a lazy way of doing it, but it's effective because it's just easier to write right. having somebody tell you the story uh, as opposed to having to sort of like act it out in 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 present tense or anything like that.
2: Right, and it, it gets and it and for a little kid it gets the the superhero in the story right away. So you don't have to wait. Uh, you don't have to start out with, you know, stuffy old Jor-El on Krypton. Right, right. You get Superman right away, stopping a truck, saving a kid. And you get to see him flying around, and, you know, you get to hear the cool, you know, George Reeves uh, flying uh, sound effect. <laughs> Everybody, you know, associates with Superman. Uh, and, uh, you know, then, you know, you get to the exposition where he's, you know, talking about Krypton. Same thing with Batman. You know, you get Batman and Robin pretty quick before get in the origin of man bad. So yeah, that, that is, it's a cool little, cool little technique to, to, uh, to move things along pretty quick.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All is, they're, they're both a lot of fun. I mean, there are very few of the power records that I, 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 you know, don't like. I love them all in their own way. Some are more effective than others, but these are two really good ones. So, uh, those are good choices. Oh, well, thank you. I, you know, one, one other thing, I think Superman and Batman are the same actor in these two
2: things. It sounds like, hmm. uh, to me, uh, I'm not sure, I'm not 100% sure, but um, it's, you know, they used, they didn't use the same actor each time or the same character. You know, you'd, sometimes it's Batman, um, you know, uh, I didn't really care for the Batman they used. What was that, the one with the joker, the stacked cards
1: or whatever? Yeah, yeah the stack, stacked, yeah, I think yeah. it is stacked cards, yeah. Yeah,
2: I, I, I didn't like the voice on that one as well, although I just like got But, you know, then again, I'm kind of biased because I, you know, wore that album out. Yeah.
1: So. <laughs> Uh, so well okay, that's it. That's, I hope I hope everybody enjoyed listening to those. Uh, that is our, our gonna wrap up our, our third Power Records showcase. Uh, I really appreciate Chris coming on the show to talk with me about them. Uh, we want to talk about before we before we wrap up, you can of course as always shoot us an email at firewaterpodcast at dot net, follow our Tumblr, fire and at tumbler dot com. And Chris, where can people find you on the web? I know that you are both our writer and artist. Uh, where where yes. can people find your your stuff like your art for instance?
2: Well, I do have a and art page, and uh, I have uh, recently um, uh, started that, and I'm um, currently you know uploading things as I go. Um, I am a graphic designer by day, and I do uh, some uh, comic type work uh, <laughs> by night in between family things. Uh, so um, you can check me out there. I have um, actually written quite a few articles for Tech Issue magazine. Uh, and uh, I have a few in the pipeline, so if you're a back-issue reader, just kind of keep an eye out, uh, and uh, you'll probably see my name in there, which I really enjoy doing that, and I love that magazine, so it's really cool to be able to contribute to it. All
1: right, excellent. I said, yeah, I've got some stuff coming up in back-issue, too, so uh, everybody should keep an eye cool. out for that magazine. So, so as I said, again, Chris, thanks so much for, for doing the show. I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. This was way more fun than doing it by myself. Uh, so, so thanks for coming on the show and, uh, thanks for picking two of the, really of the, of the better of the power of records. Oh, well, it's been my pleasure, Rob. Anytime. All right. Excellent. Thanks so much. And I hope you get Hope everybody enjoyed it. Until then, until we come back for the uh, next episode, fan the flame and ride the wave. And we'll all see you later. Bye guys.
4: On land and air, Firestorm and
5: Aquaman they make a super pair. Aquaman
4: and Firestorm,
5: super friends forever. Yeah.
7: And I was so despondent I mistook the bat extract serum for my own drink. The next thing I knew, I was a bat.